I'm Maria Titizian. And I'm Rubina Margosian, and welcome to the Week in Review for the week of November 5. In the news, COVID numbers continue to surge in the country. The European Court of Human Rights obliges Baku to pay compensation to the families of two Armenian captives in a case dating back to 2014. And as the anniversary of the trilateral statement that ended the 2020 Artsakh war nears, the Kremlin says it will present a comprehensive report. We're starting our podcast this week with the COVID-19 situation in Armenia. Today alone, there have been 1,835 new registered cases of COVID, and in the last 24 hours, 50 people died, bringing the total number of dead to over 6,500. Currently, there are over 32,000 active cases of COVID in Armenia. The health minister, Anayd Ovanesian, reported that there might be a slight decrease in the number of new COVID cases next week. This, according to Ovanesian, is because schools were told to shut down for a week for autumn break. This was then extended for an additional week and also because universities went online. Hospital beds in hospitals serving COVID patients continue to be overwhelmed. However, the number of patients waiting for hospitalization has decreased. Out of more than 3,000 hospitalized COVID patients, only 97 are vaccinated. Avanesian said that currently 852,355 people have been vaccinated. The health minister also said that after Moderna became available in the country, children above the age of 12 are also allowed to be vaccinated with written consent from their parents. 50 children have been vaccinated so far. Also, since November 1, masks have again become mandatory in public uh, places and other changes to COVID regulations. Uh, Avanesian said that starting from December 1, the ministry has proposed making PCR tests for non-vaccinated employees mandatory every seven days from the previous, uh, you know, every 14-day interval. The government is also considering restricting the access of non-vaccinated people to restaurants, concerts, um, and other indoor entertainment areas uh, starting from December 15. Uh, The health minister uh, also noted that a number of doctors have already been fired because they have been actively engaged in anti-vaccination propaganda, which is one of the most infuriating things that we have been seeing. Um, but now the ministry is taking action. And we have like personal stories of doctors mm-hmm. saying don't vaccinate it, it's in the media. Doctors go and give interviews saying why people or like mm-hmm. uh, make videos themselves. However, during this discussion in uh, in the government, Pashinyan said that Armenia does not plan to go uh, have another lockdown. Right. I mean, I think that's clear. Now they're trying to, you know, bring in other regulations. It's going to be interesting to see how people's reactions or what people's reactions will be if this regulation goes into effect, the one that you can't go to a restaurant. Unless you're vaccinated. Unless you're vaccinated. So. And so close to the holidays also. That's right. On November 1, Armenia's Foreign Minister Art Nuzan held a phone conversation with his Russian counterpart, Sergei Lavrov. The sites touched upon the implementation of the commitments of the November 9 and January 11 trilateral statements. Minister Art Mirzoyan reiterated Armenia's readiness to continue working within the framework and the mandate of the OSCE Minsk Group co-chairmanship for the comprehensive and lasting settlement of the Nagorno-Karabakh conflict based on well-known principles and elements. Both sides emphasized addressing humanitarian issues resulting from the 44-day war. Mirzoyan stressed the need for the unconditional repatriation of Armenian prisoners of war and other detainees, as well as the preservation of Armenian religious and historical cultural heritage 
in the territories of Artsakh that are now under Azerbaijani control. And in an interview with Nouvelle d'Armenie, Foreign Minister Art Mirzouyan said that even though the November 9 trilateral statement ended the military hostilities, the security situation in the region remains fragile due to Azerbaijan's reluctance to fulfill its commitments, mainly by distorting the provisions of these statements in relation to the return of POWs and by continuing its expansionist rhetoric, the infiltration of its armed forces into Armenia's sovereign territory and threatening uh, the use of force also. Mirzoya said this behavior not only affects Armenia but also the stability and peace in the region. However, unfortunately, according to Mirzoya, Azerbaijan's provocations and use of anti-Armenian hate speech are, quote, encouraged by some countries, which in itself creates additional obstacles for the establishment of stability in the region. Armenia's foreign minister also said that the OSC men's group meeting in New York in September was first and foremost an opportunity to discuss solutions to post-war humanitarian issues, which, if resolved, will in turn establish the grounds on which substantive discussions aimed at the comprehensive and lasting settlement of the Karabakh conflict could resume. Mirzoyan went on to say that despite Azerbaijan's insistence that the Karabakh conflict no longer exists, the OSC men's group co-chair country in line with many other countries, continue to share Armenia's position in regards to negotiating a peaceful settlements to the Arabakh conflict within the framework of the OSE Minsk Group mandate. Regarding establishing relations with Turkey, Mirzoyan reiterated that Armenia is ready to establish relations without any preconditions. However, t- Turkey continues to be a negative influence on the process of establishing regional stability through its involvement in the 44-day war and recent statements about the so-called Sankezur corridor, Mirzoyan said, adding that uh, there are no negotiations at the moment underway with Turkey. And during her weekly press conference, Maria Zakharova, the spokesperson of the Russian Foreign Ministry, announced that next week, on the anniversary of the signing of the November 9 trilateral statement between Armenia, Azerbaijan, and Russia, the Kremlin will present a comprehensive review. Responding to a question about a possible meeting of Armenian, Azerbaijani, and Russian leadership and the signing of a new document, Zakharova said that she possesses no such information and that the press services of the relevant bodies would disseminate the information if that was the plan. Zakharova also noted that Russia supports the idea put forward by the presidents of Turkey and Azerbaijan to establish a regional advisory mechanism. The suggested 3 plus 3 format includes So the three countries of the South Caucasus, Azerbaijan, Armenia, and Georgia, and their larger neighbors, Russia, Turkey, and Iran. Zakharova said that a multilateral regional cooperation is in the interest of all the participants and that its implementation will increase confidence in interstate relations, in the settlement of conflicts, will open the economic and transport potential of the region, and that this format can offer solutions to both old problems and new challenges. Meanwhile, official Yerevan has yet to announce its position regarding interest or participation in the 3 plus 3 initiative. In an interview to the Iranian IRNA news agency earlier in October, Armenia's foreign minister Mirzoyan said that Armenia considers any measures of regional cooperation to be effective if 
pay meet the following requirements. The format must be complete and inclusive. It should be based on the developments of positive tendencies in relation among all the states involved. Otherwise, it may lead to the transfer of existing issues in the bilateral relations of states to a multilateral format, which in turn may lead to the disruption of both multilateral and bilateral dialogue. This is exactly the opposite of what Zaharova is saying, actually. He's saying it will resolve all the new right. problems, while uh, Mirza is suggesting it might create new ones. And, and in many ways, if we look at the 3 plus 3 format, it's ostensibly sort of marginalizing the OSC Minsk group, right? So France, US, the West is not um, coming into this format. So we'll see how this goes. And on Thursday, during a discussion in Parliament, Deputy Minister of Foreign Affairs, Vahe Grigorian, said that there are a number of proposals for regional cooperation and that the 3 plus 3 format is simply one of them. According to Grigorian, the proposed regional cooperation initiative should not replicate one another or existing formats, and it is important for Armenia that no new format replicate the OSC Minsk group mandate. And on that note, according to the official website of the French government, Bryce Roquefoy has been appointed the new French co-chair of the OSC Minsk group. He will replace Stefan Visconti, who has been the co-chair since October of 2016. Prior to his appointment, since September 2020, Roquefoy headed the French diplomatic mission in Uzbekistan. He was the French ambassador to Panama and Council General in Rio de Janeiro. The newly appointed U.S. Deputy Assistant Secretary of State for Southern Europe and the Caucasus, Erika Olsen, had a number of meetings in Yerevan as part of the first leg of her first ever regional visit. Olsen participated in a uh, regional Chiefs of Mission meeting hosted by the U.S. Embassy in Yerevan. The meeting was also attended by the U.S. co-chair of the OSC Minsk Group, Andrew Schofer, and USA Deputy Assistant Administrator, Alexander Sokolowski. Olsen also met with Prime Minister Nigol Pashinyan, where she reaffirmed the American government's readiness to contribute to the resolution of humanitarian issues in the region, as well as the comprehensive settlement of the Nagorno-Karabakh conflict within the framework of the OSC Minsk Group mandate. At the same time, she stressed the interests of the U.S. in continuing to support the Armenian government in its democratic reforms. Pashinyan spoke about the opportunities of opening regional communications and the importance of carrying out the demarcation and delimitation of borders between Armenia and Azerbaijan, presenting the position of the Armenian side. Pashinyan also spoke about the government's future plans and steps aimed at the development of democratic institutions, emphasizing that Armenia will continue to move consistently and resolutely towards the development and strengthening of democracy. And the OSC Minsk Group mandate and its importance in negotiating a peaceful resolution to the Nagorno-Karabakh conflict was also one of the main topics of discussion during a meeting of the President of Artsakh, Arai Karutunyan, and Prime Minister Pashinyan this week. Harutunyan noted that now that a year has passed since the war, it is important to register that the Armenians have not diverted from the path of seeking a political solution to the conflict and continued to retain Artsakh's right to self-determination as a key component to its political solution. And the international players, including the OSC Minsk Group, continue acting as mediators. Harutunyan also said that 300 apartments will be completed and handed over to their new owners in Artsakh by the end of the year, and at least 2,500 to 3,000 apartments more by the end of the next year, which is a very important step towards solving the demographic problem in Artsakh.
And speaking of Artsakh, on the afternoon of November 2, the village of Garmirshuga in the Marduni district of Artsakh came under irregular fire from the Azerbaijani side, according to Suren Sarumyan, the spokesperson of the Artsakh Defense Army. Sarumyan said that there were no casualties and that the incident had been reported to the leadership of the Russian peacekeeping mission. And on the same day, the bodies of 11 soldiers who were considered missing in action in the 2020 Artsakh war were returned to the Armenian side by Azerbaijani authorities. The transfer took place in Garmishuga, in the, in the same village that came under fire, and was overseen by Russian peacekeepers. According to Artsakh's Ministry of Interior, to date a total of 1,697 bodies, this is military and civilian, have been found during search operations or transferred by Azerbaijan since November 2020. This week, parents of soldiers killed and missing... Uh, from 44-day Artsakh war staged a protest in front of the government building in Yerevan uh, and demanded a meeting with uh, Prime Minister Nikol Pashinyan. They shut down Tikram Meds for about two hours. Um, this is a street leading out of Republic Square, and after negotiating with police, they did eventually reopen the street. Deputy Chief of Police Arafidanyan met with some of the parents, and um, you know one of the protesters was actually detained and taken to the police station. It is expected that the Prime Minister will meet with them, uh, with these parents, tomorrow, Saturday, November 6. The European Court of Human Rights has obliged Baku to pay 40,000 euros to the families of two Armenian captives, one of whom was killed while in Azerbaijani captivity back in 2014. The first case involves the capture of 77-year-old Mamikon Kojoyan from the village of Nerkin Garmirakbir, this is in the Davush region, in January of 2014. Two months later, Kojoyan was returned to Armenia with visible signs of torture on his body. He died a short while later. You know, I remember this case very well, Rubina. The, they, there was video images and photos of uh, Mamigon Kojoyan, and you know, he was just a frail old man, and uh, the amount of um, the signs of torture on his body were really uh, very, very jarring. Uh, the second case involves Garen Bedrosian from the village of Chinar, again in the Davush region, who lost his way and ended up in an Azerbaijani village. Uh, he was then quickly captured by Azerbaijani security forces and accused of being part of a sabotage group that tried to infiltrate Azerbaijan. The next day, Baku declared that Bedrosian had died of they said acute heart failure or heart attack. His body was transferred to Armenia months later in October in what Armenian officials at the time said was an attempt to conceal signs of torture on Bedrosian's body. In the decision, it reads that the ECHR acknowledged that Baku has violated the right of Armenian captives to life as well as the rights to abstain from torture and discrimination and to freedom and personal immunity. This week, Armenian Human Rights Defenders Office published an ad hoc public report on the, uh, called The Urgent Necessity for a Demilitarized Security Zone in the Areas of Contact with the Azerbaijani Military Forces as a Fundamental Safeguard to Protect the Rights of the Population in Armenia. The 132-page report is a you know, evidence-based analysis in the context of the ongoing situation, particularly in two regions of Armenia, Kerar Kunik and Sunik, where we continue to have Azerbaijani forces uh, on our territory. And attached to the report actually is an interactive Google Earth map, which is the compilation of information gathered by the Ombudsman's Office through their fact-finding missions to the border areas over the past year. The map marks Azerbaijani positions on the sovereign territory of Armenia in yellow and features photographic evidence of their existence there. The report and the consequent map have been forwarded to the relevant government in institutions in Armenia, non-governmental organizations, 
and also international bodies. A criminal case has been launched in connection with the deaths of 27 police officers following the October 4, 2020 bombing of the Cultural Center in Shushi by Azerbaijani forces, where over 500 officers had taken shelter. This is obviously, you know, the height of the of the war last year. The case um, is initiated under Article 367 of the Criminal Code, which is negligence of service during martial law, war, or in the event of war. The article envisages four to eight years imprisonment. The case was launched after the Union of Informed Citizens published the details of the October 4 events. According to the article, Colonel Dikran Garabedian, then, um, who was the head of the Lori Regional Police Department and currently the head of the Arakatzodin Department, decided to move all 500 officers who were drafted to go to the front line to the bunker under the cultural center. After complaints from the officers about not being uh, given proper military uniforms um, and the situation had become unmanageable, Artur Sarkisian, who was the deputy commander of the Defense Army staff, who himself was later killed in battle, arrived in Shushi from Stepanagir to discuss the situation with the police officers. When he arrived, he ordered them to move up to the main hall, and it was then that the cultural center was bombed, killing the 27 officers and injuring scores of others. And Rubina, when you were in Harappa, you actually have footage from that center. Uh, we went a couple of days yeah. later, only a couple of days later. Um, there was a lot of mystery around this case as was why the place was built, uh, bombed, uh, targeted by Azerbaijan. And you could see, uh, they were saying it was just civilians, but you could see all the military uniforms, the helmets, like hundreds of them. Um, and uh, the strangest thing, Maria, is that we went down to the bunkers and there was the smell that I had never experienced. And there was a soldier accompanying me. And she's like, he's like, oh, it's basically probably sewage or some rats. But uh, it, well, I have smelled sewage and I've seen rats. That was something else. And they were probably still buddies un under the rubble at that point that had, hadn't been. When you uh, went when back we then, yeah, It was indeed. only a couple of days mm -hmm. later. And, and this has been a problem that we've seen that we're just hearing now, right? How um, groups of soldiers were... Sort of. And that they all refuse to turn off their cell phones, Maria. And, you know, I've read this article and also says that other than the fact that two high-ranking military and police officers made the same mistake mm -hmm. and the cell phone situation. I mean, there was three of the three of us and we always made sure that only one of us had their phone on if necessary. And uh, it's not about training. It's not about anything sense, anymore. Common it's sense. common sense. But we, so we saw this in the 2016 four-day war as well, right? With the, the, ish, the situation with cell phones and yet here we're, and it's, you know, a, a tragedy in the list of tragedies. I don't know if negligence is even the word right, for it. Right. And in other news, uh, the Parliamentary Assembly of the Council of Europe's Monitoring Committee called Rapporteurs from Finland and Sweden were in Yerevan this week to monitor the obligations and commitments made by Armenia, in particular the implementation of the Council of Europe Action Plan for Armenia 2019-2022. This year marks the 20th anniversary of Armenia joining the Council of Europe. The co-rapporteurs met with the parliamentary speaker Alan Simonian and discussed issues related to post-war realities, democracy, human rights, and legislative reforms in Armenia. The sides also spoke about the need to resume the Karabakh conflict negotiations process within the OSCE Minsk Group framework. The co-reporters also spoke about restrictions placed on journalists covering the parliament and the
the parliamentary system of government in Armenia. Speaking of parliament, two parliament members um, have decided to resign. Uh, Nazeli Bardasarian, a member of the civil contract faction, submitted an application to sort of place her down or put down her mandate. No reasons for her resignation were made public. According to several press publications, Bardasarian is likely to be appointed governor of Shirak, making her the first woman ever to be a governor uh, in one of the regions. And the incumbent mayor of Goris, Arush Arushanian, has also submitted an application to put down his mandate as part of the Armenia Alliance parliamentary faction. Arushanian headed the Arush Arushanian Alliance during the municipal elections last month and won while in pretrial detention on election violation charges. These are charges related to the June parliamentary elections. Arushanian issued a statement from prison saying he does not see himself in the in legislature and wants to be in Goris to invest all his potential for the prosperity of the community. It's it's a strange case because he's never been in parliament and he put down his mandate. Armenia's president, Armen Sarkisian, took part in the UN Climate Change Conference in Glasgow this week. During his address, he said that, according to the World Bank analysis, Armenia is the fourth most vulnerable country to climate change in the Eastern Europe and Central Asia region and has registered a 1.3 degree Celsius increase in temperature and a 9% decrease in precipitation. The president promised that despite the challenges posed by the COVID-19 pandemic and ongoing Nagorno-Karabakh conflict, Armenia is committed to a stronger integration into the global agenda on climate change and to demonstrating an increase in uh, climate ambition. Sarkisian also spoke about Azerbaijan's use of banned weapons during last year's war. On November 3, Armenia's Prime Minister Nikol Pashinyan received the head of the International Monetary Fund's Armenia mission, Nathan Porter, and IMF resident representative in Armenia, Mehdi Raisi. Porter stated that the IMF will continue assisting the Armenian government's reforms aimed at improving the country's fiscal policy, strengthening the public-private investment system, and the business climate, improving infrastructure, education, helping with transparency and governance, and developing the mining industry. The partnership between IMF and Armenia Central Bank, especially in the post-war period, has contributed to the preservation of microeconomic stability in Armenia, said Pashinyan, adding that the implementation of reforms is an interconnected process and the successful implementation of one helps the effective implementation of all. The the Prime Minister said that education reforms will serve as the basis of all reforms. As for the investment climate, Pashinya said that work is being done to introduce an effective assessment system. The Georgian Defense Minister was in Armenia this week on a three-day working visit. Juansher Burchalatse had a meeting with uh, Armenia's Prime Minister and also visited Dizernagapert to pay his respects to the victims of uh, the 1915 Armenian genocide. During the meeting with Pashinyan, the Georgian Defense Minister said that it is an honor to meet a person with a biography such as Pashinyan's. Burchalatse said before being appointed Minister of Defense, he served as the deputy of the minister who later became the prime minister of Georgia and that he is very happy that Pashinyan's relations with his Georgian counterpart have formed the basis for a continuous cooperation. Pashinyan noted that Armenia is interested in further deepening cooperation with Georgia in all areas and stated that the dialogue with his Georgian counterpart and the government is based on full mutual trust. Later during the week, Pashinyan also received a delegation headed by the president of the Constitutional Court of Georgia, 
Uh, the sides exchanged views on the specificities of the process of introducing a parliamentary system of governance in, in both Armenia and Georgia. The president of the Constitutional Court noted that Georgia values Nigel Pashinyan's contribution in furthering democratic development in Armenia. And the news from America, Senator Menendez calls for a joint State Department and Defense Department report on Turkey's use of U.S. technology in its Bayraktar drones, with a special focus on whether their sale to third countries like Azerbaijan violates the U.S. exports law. And the UK House of Commons will hold the first reading of the Armenian Genocide Bill on November 9, 2021. Um, it's a rather symbolic date, wouldn't you say? Um, yes. If the bill passes, the UK would be a step closer to formally recognizing the Armenian Genocide. And that's the kind of week it's been here in Armenia. Thank you for listening. Have a good weekend, and we will be back again next Friday. Thank you.